0: Here's another example. f of x is negative 3x squared e to the negative 5x, using the first and second derivatives of f to find use, <laughs> use the first and second derivatives of, of f to find extrema, points of inflection, and sketch the graph. So here are the instructions right here. But even if they didn't have them, if they said find the extrema, points of inflection, and sketch the graph. That would trigger our memories to say, okay. if I need to know extrema, I need to find the derivative. Because at the top and bottom, that's when the derivative is either 0 or undefined, right? So I need to find the first derivative, and then I'm going to find the second derivative. I'm going to start here with my first derivative. You actually go ahead and pause and find this, and then come back. I'll be here. Coming back, f of x, the derivative is f prime of x. We've got a product. So I've got to differentiate the first thing. Negative 6x times the second left alone, e to the negative 5x, plus first left alone times the derivative of the second, which is e to the negative 5x. But I'm going to leave some space this time, because in front, I'm going to use the chain rule. e to the u times du dx. So negative 5e to the negative 5x. So I've got my first term plus my second term. I differentiate the first, leave the second alone, and then switch it with a plus in between. Now at this point, we've done some other examples where we had to simplify, and we're going to need to find possible extrema, which means critical numbers, which means set the derivative equal to zero or undefined. This is not in a good form to set equal to zero yet. So do you remember what we did? if you've got two terms with common factors you want to factor them out you have an x in each you have an e to the negative 5x in each and you have actually a negative 3 in each of them as well so I'm going to factor out negative 3 x e to the negative 5x that's what I'm factoring for my f prime of x because I'm going to look for critical numbers in just a minute then I have what's left negative 6 divided by negative 3 is positive 2 x divided by x is 1. e to the negative 5x divided by e to the negative 5x is also 1. So I'm finished in the first term, with just 2. Negative 3 divided by negative 3 is 1. x squared divided by x is 1x. Oops, I still have a negative 5 here. So I'm going to write minus 5 times x. e to the negative 5x gets factored out. So that's my derivative, f prime of x, negative 3x, e to the negative 5x, times 2 minus 5 X can we find critical numbers now piece of cake right critical numbers places X values that make the derivative 0 or undefined dividing by e to the 5 X will never make anything undefined right because e to the 5 X will never be 0 so the only possibility for this derivative is that it'll be equal to 0 So, I'm going to set this thing equal to 0, and I just look at the factors, and I can see the derivative is 0 when x is 0, or when 2 minus 5x is 0, 2 minus 5x is 0 when 5x equals 2, or when x equals 2 fifths. So I take my factored form. It's much easier to get my critical numbers. x is 0 or x is 2 fifths. e to the negative 5x will never make 0, nor will negative 3 when we're multiplying. So we're finished with these two critical numbers right here. Possible what? Possible relative extrema. So we're going to test those later on. But since we're also looking for possible points of inflection, we might as well go ahead, bite the bullet, and take the second derivative of this function. The second derivative is going to take a little bit of work, but it's, we just need to keep track of everything. It's not particularly hard, just long. So I'm going to get the second derivative. I'm actually going to do it using the factored version, because it's only one time I have to use. Well, actually, that's not true. I have to use the product rule twice if I do that. All right, it'll be a little less elegant, but I think I'm going to go ahead and use the non-factored version in order to get the derivative, because it's a little less to keep track of with the product rule. So I'm going to start with this f prime of x. I'm going to differentiate again. And I'm going to go ahead and differentiate this first thing. It's kind of like having a times b and then c times d. And you have to differentiate using the product rule twice. Let's start one at a time with a. The derivative of negative six x is just negative six, so that was my a prime times b left alone e to the negative five x plus. Not finished with that first term yet. It's really tempted to move on, tempting to move on, but I have to rewrite a this time. Negative six x left alone times the derivative of b, and that's e to the negative 5x, but then I've got the derivative of negative 5x from the chain rule. So it's negative 5e to the negative 5x. That's b prime. All right, I said it was long, didn't I? (laughs) That's just the derivative of the first part of of the first derivative. So I've done the product rule once. I've got to do it again for that second term, c times d. I've got C times D. I have to differentiate negative 3x squared. That'll be my C prime. So just thinking about C prime, I have negative 6x in parentheses. Times D left alone this time. That's negative 5e to the negative 5x. Am I finished? I have one more thing to do. I've got to leave C alone this time and differentiate D. So, plus from the product rule, I rewrite negative 3x squared. Then I have times the derivative of D, D prime. And that would be negative 5 E to the negative 5x but I have to use the chain rule again, so I have another negative 5 coming down from the derivative of that exponent. Okay, now I'm actually finished doing all my differentiating. I just need to simplify, and it'll be better than you think. I'm going to look at each of these terms, and instead of taking another step to rewrite and combine, I'm going to go right ahead and find all my like factors for all four terms, common factors. I have a negative 6 here and an e to the negative 5x. I have in the second term a negative 6 and an e to the negative 5x. In the third term, I have a negative 6 and an e to the negative 5x. In the last term, I don't have negative 6, but I do have negative 3 and an e to the negative 5x. So, I can factor out negative 3 and e to the negative 5x. So, I knew I wanted to do it my way because the factoring is actually going to be easier my way, but let's see how we do. Negative 3 e to the negative 5x. Now, what I'm going to have left is positive 2 from this first term, and that's it so far. Then I have this would be a positive 30, and I subtracted out a negative 3. So I have a negative 10 left, then an x, but the e to the negative 5x went away. Then if I factor out a negative 3 out of here, that leaves a positive 2, but I also have a negative 5. So I'm going to have to multiply that positive 2 times negative 5. And I also have an x, but the e to the negative 5x was taken out plus negative three taken out of here. I still have a negative five. I have an x squared this time. And the e to the negative five x, mercifully, is out front, so I don't have to write it again. All right, at this point, I'm close to being finished. It may start looking good to you, right? Because we've got just negative three to the negative five x outside, and I've got some like terms right here. I have a negative 10x, and another negative 10x. That makes negative 20x. So I have f double prime of x is negative 3, e to the negative 5x, times 2 minus 20x, minus, I'm missing an extra 5. I knew I was missing something. This last term, I didn't factor out any 5s in the front, so I have to take care of both of those 5s. So I actually have a negative 5 times a negative 5, which is positive 25x squared. The negative 3 got factored out, but these two negative 5s did not. So they multiply together to make positive 25. So I have plus 25x squared here. And that 5x isn't there. 2 minus 20x plus 25 x squared all right at this point I need to take a breath and I need to ask myself what the objective was the objective was to find possible points of inflection and that's why I had to differentiate a second time much to my chagrin I really don't want to differentiate a second time on a function like that but it's not so bad now because it's simplified out to e to the negative 5x and then a quadratic factor now possible points of inflection are places where the second derivative is either 0 or undefined. Because that's where the concavity changes. If it changes at all, it's going to change where the second derivative is either either 0 or undefined. So I look at this and I say, is the second derivative ever undefined? I have kind of the same issue I had with the first derivative. e to the negative 5x will never be um, 1 over 0, right? So this is never going to take me to anything undefined. And a a quadratic polynomial is certainly never going to be undefined. So I really don't have to worry about undefined. I just have to find where the second derivative is 0. Negative 3 won't help. e to the negative 5x won't help. The only place that I could have 0 is with that factor right there. So I'm going to rewrite that f double prime of x equals 0 when that quadratic factor, 25x squared minus 20x plus 2, equals 0. Can we factor this? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Um, 5, 5 and 5 make 25, and 10 and 10 make 20, but I don't have two twos. I only have one. So I don't think this is going to factor. You can try it if you'd like, or you could get the discriminant and check that. I'm just going to go ahead, though, and use the quadratic formula. So quadratic formula to find the x values that make the second derivative equal to 0. x equals negative b plus or minus the square root of b squared, 20 squared is 4 with two zeros, minus 4, a is 25, c is 2, all over 2a. B squared plus or, sorry, negative b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac, all over 2a. When I simplify this, I have 20 plus or minus the square root of, here's a trick, four times 25 four quarters is 100 right sense so we got a hundred times two is 200 400 minus 200 is 200 all over 50 so this can simplify some more X is 20 plus or minus the square root of 100 is 10 and then I have a root 2 left inside all over 50 I can factor out a 10 2 plus or minus root 2 all over 50 so x is 2 plus or minus root 2 over 5 so my two possible points of inflection are 2 plus root 2 over 5 and 2 minus root 2 over 5. So I'm going to have to test those, just like I have to test the critical numbers. But I'm out of space. And to test these critical number, the critical numbers and these possible points of inflection, I'm going to need a big table. And then that big table will help me sketch the graph. While I'm erasing, I'm going to suggest that you take your calculator and you enter the original function on the graphing menu, try a Zoom standard and see what you get. And then maybe it'll help you to appreciate a little bit why we have to go to all this work to find our possible extrema and possible points of inflection by hand. So go ahead, sketch the graph, use the zoom standard, and see what you find out. And when you come back, I'll have this board erased, and we can test these critical numbers and these possible points of inflection. Find the concavity, find the increasing, decreasing, and have an idea what the graph looks like. All right, we're on part two of this example. I hope it doesn't turn out to be part duh for me. But anyway, we'll try to, I'll try to keep track of everything f of x is negative 3x squared e to the negative 5x. I rewrote this as negative 3x squared over e to the 5x to help me in a couple minutes. The critical numbers we found to be 0 and 2 fifths, possible points of inflection, 2 plus root 2 over 5, and 2 minus root 2 over 5. My two derivatives are here. I'm going to use them as I need them. And I hope that you uh, sketched the graph of this using your calculator and zoom standard and saw something like that. Uh, Not so helpful. So um, another reason why it's sometimes useful to have a little calculus at our disposal. So now what we need to do is figure out do we have a relative max or min, possible points of inflection, is the graph going up or down? But even first of all, I can ask myself, is the graph, is the function ever going to change from being positive to negative, or vice versa? Do I have any zeros? Um, That'll at least give me an idea where the graph is. If I look at this formula, I have negative 3x squared over e to the 5x. And that is always negative on top, right? Negative 3x squared is always negative. And e to the 5x is always positive. So I think my function is always less than zero for all x except for one place and that's where it's equal to zero. And where is the one place where the function is equal to zero? At zero itself. So I have a y-intercept, which is also my x-intercept, of the origin. Everything else, I have critical numbers. By the way, the origin is one of my critical numbers, too. So that's interesting. So we're going to see if anything changes there. But I've made a big table to keep track of everything. So if you come over here, I'm going to test values for x on different intervals. I'm going to look at the derivative and the second derivative and then I'm gonna describe things about the function. I do know the function is always going to be less than or equal to 0 for all x. So I know it's going to be either below the x-axis or it touches, it touches the x-axis when x is 0. Now I need to use my critical numbers and my possible points of inflection to break this up into intervals to test. So I go from negative infinity to my first either critical number or possible point of inflection now I guess I should cheat and tell you this one you kinda need a calculator to have an idea you don't have to but it's helpful 2 plus root 2 over 5 is approximately equal to 0.7 and 2 minus root 2 over 5 is unfortunately approximately equal to a small number 0.1 my critical numbers are 0 and 0.4 so all of these possible points of inflection and critical numbers are all really close together and that's going to make testing them kind of dif- testing the intervals kind of difficult but I'll deal. So I'm going from negative infinity up to my first smallest number and that to me looks like zero itself. So my first interval that I test is from 0 to infinity. So that's the first thing on the top here of my table. If at all of my critical numbers, I'm going to put a space to write whether I have a max or min at x equals zero. The next interval, zero to the next number up is 0.1. That's my two minus root two over five, approximately 0.1. That's a possible point of inflection and I'm gonna write that as well if I can find room because I don't have to test everything all the time. You'll see why in a minute. Inflection point, possible inflection point. So I'm not gonna write x equals that anywhere. I don't like this here, this negative zero there. I mean less than or equal zero. Possible inflection point, zero to two minus root two over five is my next interval. I'm just gonna start up where I left off 2 minus root 2 over 5. Then I'm going to go to the next number up of my critical numbers and possible inflection points. The next one up is the point 4, the 2 fifths. That's the possible relative extremum. So I'm going to make a separate row column for x equals 2 fifths. then from two-fifths I go to my next value which is approximately 0.7 my other possible point of inflection 2 plus 2 plus root 2 over 5 this is a possible inflection point not a possible relative extremum and then I'm going to pick up where I left off and this is my last interval to test from that possible inflection point on to infinity. So I've made intervals and columns for each of those possible um, interesting parts of the graph. Now I have to go through and put in test values. The first one's not so bad, right? From negative infinity to zero, I'm going to test negative one. Now I'm going to work down, just because I think it's easier to follow that and then at the end we'll put it all together. Negative one, what's the derivative when x is negative one? Because that'll tell me increasing or decreasing, right? So I plug negative one into my derivative and I'm gonna have negative three times negative one times, e to the negative five x is always positive, so I can ignore it when I'm doing testing. And then two minus five is also negative. So I have three negative things multiplying together so, my derivative is negative on that interval. So then I can say my function is decreasing on that interval. Wait a minute. That doesn't seem right to me because didn't I say the graph goes like this at the beginning? So I have a negative 3, a negative 1, positive... Oh! 2 minus a negative 5 is positive 5. Gotta watch my signs. I have a positive derivative so my function is increasing so negative 3 times negative 1 is positive 2 minus a negative 5 is positive so i have a positive first derivative at my test value negative 1 so the function is increasing like i thought second derivative at negative 1 i still have negative 3 e to the negative 5x will not affect the sign Negative 1 squared is positive 25. Minus 20 times negative 1 is plus 40, plus 2. Those are all positives inside the, the uh, parentheses. So the all, I have one negative. I have one negative It's in the front. So that's my second derivative. The second derivative is negative. So that tells me the graph is concave down on that interval. And that does coincide with what I saw on my graphing calculator increasing and concave down until I get to the origin unfortunately any kind of zoom standard that's all you see so let's figure out the rest of it using calculus X equals 0 possible extremum I could use the second derivative test plug in 0 for X right here and I have a negative value don't I I have 0 0 plus 2 is positive Positive times negative 3 is negative times positive is negative. So the second derivative test tells me negative, which tells me concave down at my extremum, which tells me relative max. That's the easiest way to check, I think. But since I have to check increasing decreasing anyway, well, technically I don't have to, because if I know it's concave down at a critical point, it should be decreasing on the other side, right? Up, then down. Let's double check with our derivative. This one's not so fun. My interval to test is from 0 to 0.1. So maybe my test value will be 0.01 or 0.05. But a really, really small number in that interval. The derivative, I think, should be negative because I think that graph should go down to to make up for that concavity at my extremum. Plus, I think I have an extremum. So I need to check, though into the first derivative. Negative times positive is negative. And then I have 0.01 times 5. 5 times 0.01 is 0.05. So I'm going to have 2 minus 0.05 there. So that's going to give me a positive times a negative is negative, like I thought I should have. So you can verify when you plug in 0.01 for x into the derivative, you get a, neg- a negative number. So the function is decreasing, like I thought. Do I have to test the second derivative here on this interval? The only possible place where the second derivative will change signs is at the places where I found my possible points of inflection. The reason I wrote possible point of inflection up here is because until I get there, my concavity won't change. Since I already found concave down on that other part of the interval, I know that I haven't changed yet. I'm still concave down till I get to that possible point of inflection. Then it might change. Not necessarily, but it could. So all I had to really test was the, the derivative and I kinda knew it should be negative from the concavity. All right, now we're at our first possible point of inflection. I need a test value between 0.01 and 0.4. Two fifths is 0.4. So how about 0.2? I have to plug 0.2 into the derivative. Actually, do I have to? It's not a critical number, right? This uh, possible point of inflection. So is the sign of the of the uh, derivative going to change? It won't change if we're not at a critical number, so I don't have to check it. It's going to still be negative. I can assume that. You can check if you like. Plug in 0.2 into the derivative. You should get negative. Next, The second derivative I absolutely have to check because it's a possible point of inflection here. So it might change sign to show me inflection point. Plug 0.2 into the second derivative. I'm laughing because 0.2 in for x is not exactly easy to do. 25 times 2 tenths squared minus 20 times 2 tenths to the first plus 2. I really don't have any choices here with these fractions because I've got really small intervals. Negative 3, the e to the negative 5x is always positive so I can ignore it. When you figure this out, you get 4 times 25 is 100 over 100, right? So that's 1. Okay, not so bad. Minus, this turns out to be 4 because the t- 10 goes into the 20 twice and 2 times 2 is 4 plus 2. So I have 1 minus 4 plus 2 All that is negative 1. So I have negative 3 times negative 1. Or you could use your calculator, but the more uh, challenging ways to do it by hand. I get negative 3 times negative 1 positive for my second derivative. Notice the concavity changed from concave down to concave up. So what have I got here? Point of inflection. X equals two-fifths, possible relative extremum. I could use a second derivative test to see if my second derivative is, looks like it's positive there, right? I think I have a relative min. To check, double-check with the formula, if you plug in two-fifths into the second derivative, It's not exactly easy to do it's another one like we just did might be easier to look at the sign of the derivative on the other side at that next interval this is two-fifths going to 0.7 so I could use 0.5 as a test value a half that's not so bad to test in the first derivative right so in the first derivative I go back and I plug in a half five times a half is 5 halves. 2 minus 5 halves is negative, right? Because 5 halves is 2 and a half. So 2 minus 2 and a half is negative. I have negative times a positive x times a negative, so I have positive first derivative. So just like I suspected, my first derivative changes from negative to positive at the critical number. And so I have a relative min this time at x equals two-fifths. Believe it or not, we're almost finished. I don't have to test the second derivative because I'm not on an interval where I have a possible point of inflection. So I'm still concave up here. Now at this last possible point of inflection, I have to get a test value. Oh, but I'm so grateful I'm out of those tiny little intervals. I just can use maybe a test value of 1 that's greater than 0.7. If you're nervous about it, then pick two, something bigger. Plug that in. Do I have to check the first derivative? This is not a critical number, so the first derivative isn't going to change, so it's still positive. But I do have to check the second derivative. If you plug one in to the second derivative all the way back at the beginning, you're going to get negative 3, which is negative, something we can ignore because it's always positive. 1 times 25 minus 20 is 5, 5 plus 2 is 7, positive times negative, negative. So now I go back here, I put negative in. The concavity changed from concave up to concave down, so in between I have another point of inflection. So every possible extremum or point of inflection was something. Now it's a matter of sketching the graph. The function is always negative or equal to zero. The only place it's equal to zero is at the origin, so I start with my zero right there. On the first interval from negative infinity to zero, the function is increasing and concave down, and I know it's negative, so it comes up like this. I have relative max at the origin so it has to go back down. I have a uh, a point of inflection at 2 minus root 2 over 5 right here. I have relative min at 2 fifths so the graph goes back up. I have a point of inflection because I'm going to hit that horizontal asymptote so I need to change from concave up to concave down. And my other point of inflection is at 2 plus root 2 over 5. I don't care about y values. You do not have to find the y value at the min. The y value at the max is 0, right? But this is good enough for me. You can see concave down, concave up, concave down. That was by far the most difficult problem that I think we've done in this chapter. These problems tend to get crazy. But I think it's good to stretch ourselves. There wasn't anything here that we needed a calculator for, and that's that's kind of empowering to see how much we can do without one. And it's kind of takes us back to the time when uh, people worked in calculus without them as well. Concave down, concave up, concave down, the, the max and min. You can find all of this and sketch the graph just from one little formula. And then you can double check with your calculator. In order to see this really happening nicely, you're going to need to have your window very tight in. The x values may be negative 4 to 4 at most. The y values may be negative 2 to 0.1. Notice the graph never goes above the x-axis. So don't waste any space above the x-axis in your window. And you're going to see the nuances of the graph when you do.